Grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning you heard three basic stories. First of a woman who was a worshiper of God and yet had not uh, making, uh, not making, not had made a stand, not had taken in any way um, this next step. She worshiped God. There was no synagogue in which for her to worship, so she was outside the city where Paul and Silas found people of prayer, people who worshiped the Lord God Almighty, the one who had created the heavens and the earth. And most of these people in and around Philippi were Greek. Very few Jews. As Paul is moving westward in his uh, missionary journeys, what I want you to understand is that he is meeting fewer and fewer Jews, more and more Greeks, more people that are not used to what this Jesus or even what Yahweh, God the Father, the Creator, is about. They're used to other gods, they're used to idols. They're used to sacrifice, but done in such a way as just to appease maybe the Zeus's in their life. Roman gods. Greek gods. And this is how Roman society worked. Rome would approve religions. Rome, the acting body would say, this one, fine, you can go ahead and worship. This one, okay. So for Jews to have a synagogue, they would have been allowed in Philippi to build one. They would have been allowed to practice the Jewish religion. But Christianity, not approved. Christianity at this time is not approved. This is why later, when the Romans, the magistrates yell out, they're asking us to do things that it's not right for us to do. This is why. He says because it's unlawful for there to be Christianity here in Philippi. So we have a worshiper who, upon hearing the word of the Lord, makes a committed step. The second story, we have a woman who is a slave girl. And this slave girl has a particular ability because she is demon-possessed. She can foretell the future. Now, we're not told in Scripture if she literally could foretell the future. We assume that she could to some degree and some power. We don't understand necessarily how or why that is possible or to what magnitude the future was foretold. We don't know. What we know is that she began to follow Paul and Silas around going, hey, these guys are talking about how to be saved in Jesus Christ. Now, normally you go, hey, <laughs> free advertising. This is good. Right? We don't even have to tell people, and they know who she is. But after a little while, Paul, it says that he is troubled. Not because she's talking in his ear, but I think more along, he's troubled in heart. For a woman who's possessed by a demon. We like to think of Paul as this great orator and this great defender of the faith and, and that he would preach and teach to the masses. But I think what we get a glimpse in that little story this morning is Paul, who has a heart for one person who's lost. And in the third story, after this happens and casting him out, and of course, you, you attack anyone's pocketbook. You talk about giving or, or someone's wallet or, or how faithful they are to God in any monetary sense. People get in an uproar. They're thrown into prison. Now, again, you need to understand, as a Jew, 
The Romans were perfectly in their right to have them publicly flogged and then thrown into prison. But what they didn't know yet was that Paul was a Roman citizen. And no Roman citizen could be flogged before trial. This is why at the end, you don't have this part in your reading, but at the end of chapter 16, they come up to, oh, Paul, hey, uh, anything we can do for you, buddy? Because uh, uh, they realize they've messed up. Paul and Silas are thrown into jail, and this, this, uh, this jailer, again, just as a reminder, if anyone escapes, the jailer's life is expected. So there's an earthquake at midnight after Paul and Silas have been, what? Their feet in stocks, praying and singing. In the midst of all of this challenge, after having been stripped and beaten severely, unjustly placed in prison, they're singing. More about that in a minute. Earthquake comes, all the chains are loose. Do you notice? All the chains, not just Paul and Silas. Everyone in the prison, there are other prisoners. <laughs> and this jailer sees the doors open, realizes, oh, I, I am toast. I might as well take my own life. That's his despair. Again, Paul and Silas, in the midst of their rejoicing, of in the midst of them even going, we're free, see, God is so faithful. They could have rushed out, hey, everybody come with us. No, Paul stops. He realizes a man in his greatest hour of need. He stops, has compassion, and ministers by the word of God to this man's soul. How might I be saved? Theologically, physically. In these three stories, I don't know where you find yourself. Whether it is the person that's worshipped God a lot with your mouth, but maybe never taken that faithful step of leading your family. Whether you too have been burdened down by sin, may as well have been uh, um, possessed by a demon, at least oppressed by your lifestyle, by the choices that you made, by the way and the company that you pick. Maybe you too possessed and needing to be released. Or whether you're like the jailer this morning who realizes your life is over and you just want your family safe. Maybe you don't find yourself in any of those stories. Then what my prayer for you this morning is that you would hear the word of God and realize that there are people in your life that are experiencing one of those three things. My prayer for you, then, is that you would be asking yourself, how, God, can I be used to minister to those that need to be freed from the sin that so easily entangles? And not to forgive sins, but maybe I am the person to speak the Word of God for the first time into their life. Or maybe I need to push and encourage those that worship with their mouth, but their hearts are far from God. Or maybe, literally, you are involved in the saving of someone's life, caught up in drugs, living under a bridge, 
or someone that's just made poor decision after poor decision and they feel the noose of life tightening. Paul goes on mission because he is sent. Do not think for a minute that you are not sent. Do not think for one minute that you as a Christian have not been sent into the very community in which you live, to the very job where you work, every bit of travel and where you go, that in your sitting and in your rising, in your sleeping, in your eating, in everything that you are doing and every place that God is sending you, you are sent to be bearers of the good news and the light of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. On the Sabbath, we went outside. We, Paul and Silas, went outside, verse 13, to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. There are no synagogues, as I mentioned before, in Philippi. And so they went to gather where people were worshiping, where people were praying. I spent eight summers at Camp Luther Homa in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Every morning at 7.30, we roused the campers up a little bit before that. We barely got uh, shirts and shorts and maybe a pair of flip-flops on them. And we trudged them down to the river, half a mile of riverfront property on the Illinois River. 7.30 in the morning, it could be 95 degrees already. We were already sweating, and we would sit for the first 10 minutes, and it was torture for these kids. We're going there to sit? Yes, dear one, enjoy it. When you are older, you will pray that the Lord your God will deliver 10 minutes of sitting. beautiful. We began each day in prayer. We began each day with a short word from the Lord, and there was holy ground. And there we set our day aright. There we at times lifted our eyes to the sky, knowing that this is where Jesus would come from at one day. We had kids right home. Man, I think camp is heaven. I got a glimpse. So I'll be honest with you, it doesn't matter whether you're in a building or at a campfire or by a river. When God's people who are holy gather around his word, you are on holy ground because God is there with you. And Paul and Silas find comfort in finding other believers, and and they're on mission. They go, I'm going to go where other believers are. I'm going to lift them up and encourage them. This is part of the reason we ask you to come to church every week. I know, crazy. Every week? Well, who's got that kind of time? Well, I do, but you're the pastor. You're supposed to be here. I know, but you don't know what struggles it is on some Sunday mornings. (laughs) To start 
our day to lift up, to encourage. And Paul and Silas go and are lifted up and encouraged. They meet this woman, Lydia, who is known, who, who, who is a good worker, who is there worshiping God. And she hears from Paul and Silas. We sat down to speak to the woman. One of those listening was Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth and a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. This is why I said maybe this is you this morning. Maybe you have sat and listened to God's holy word. And this is the day that the Lord has caused for your heart to respond. That you no longer sit by and just go, yep, just give me all the knowledge. I'm in three Bible studies. I pray so fervently. And, and, and it's just all rote memory and it's all just done by happenstance. But I pray that your heart is open to respond that you actually bear good fruit, that you actually have faith that walks not by sight, where you are trusting the Lord your God, where your life really is transformed, and people around you really and actually notice it. Go ahead, ask. You don't even have to ask your neighbor. Ask your spouse. Just look at your spouse right now. Go ahead and do that. Go, no, come on, don't put the hand up. Here we go, come on. Ask your spouse right now. Is the Holy Spirit changing me? Now, don't answer. You're not going to answer yet. Some of you, you're afraid about what you might hear. Well, we're in church, if they're honest. Because some of you may hear, no, hon. I don't see the Holy Spirit transforming you. And others of you, well, I, I want to encourage my spouse, and even though it's just a little bit, I want to say, absolutely, hon, I see the Holy Spirit transforming you. I'm going to let you answer that after worship tonight, this, this morning. Gives you a little something to talk about over lunch. My prayer is that you would respond. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Here's the thing that I love is that she celebrates. She absolutely celebrates and opens her home. I don't know how we've gotten to this point where our homes are our castles and fortresses to keep people out. There are sanctuaries. We hear it all the time. But rather, this woman says, I have reason to be joyful and I have reason to celebrate and we must break bread together. Our second story, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money. Yeah, I'm sure. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who you are telling you the way to be saved. Again, thinking, hey, free publicity. But again, I think it's more along the lines that Paul has a heart for her and realizes that she's a slave. First of all, to her earthly masters. Secondly, and most importantly of all, she's a slave to this demon. She's possessed. Oh, that we would all have a heart to see those that are possessed and oppressed by sin, the devil, 
fear of death. Oh, that we would have a heart that is troubled and turn and in the power of Jesus Christ speak grace in their life. You don't have to be a pastor to say the words, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of them. You say, well, I don't know if they're possessed, oppressed, whether they just had a bad taco, or I don't, I, I don't know, I don't have that discernment. Here's the deal. Pray. And ask that the Lord, your God, would open your eyes. And if need be, that you would pray over the individual who is struggling in their sin, either by oppression or possession, that they need to be released. And in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, speak that word of grace, which is life and truth. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out. And demon must obey the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, that's too scary. I wouldn't know what to do. I, I know it is. But do you trust God more than you trust yourself? This woman is freed. And yes, her owners, they're hacked off. We don't have the stream of income that we once had before. But do you realize she's free? And maybe that's you. Maybe that's been your story. Maybe that's why you are here worshiping today is because you have been released by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. I want you to share that. I want you to tell people that. Because I'll guarantee you, you know people that are oppressed day in and day out by Satan. And they need to know it's possible. And they need to be encouraged and shown, wait a minute, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, it can happen. I can be changed. They're thrown into jail after being beaten, severely flogged. They are singing praise to their almighty God at midnight. <laughs> what song were you singing or what came out of your mouth the last time? You were unjustly imprisoned, unjustly accused. My guess is, is you set the record straight. You fought them with tooth and nail. You proved to that person who was wronged you that they were more wrong than you. They were wronger than you, you said in a fit of passion. Hmm. Instead of, thank you, God, for this opportunity to sit here and praise your name. Let me lift up holy hands of prayer to you and, and pray for those that persecute us. And let me ask for your hand of blessing on those who would try to destroy us. And let me sing your praise as David danced. Let me sing. prison 
shaken violently by an earthquake, the foundations all the way, the prison doors, all of them open, and this jailer goes, oh, it's over, it's done, everyone's freed, he gets the lights, he sees all the chains are off, and he says, how can I be saved? And again, we're not told whether or not this means physically, how can I stay alive? Or whether this is a theological question, Paul immediately goes, look, dude, I know your life may be taken from you tomorrow. (laughs) He doesn't say it, but he goes to the thing that's the most important. The thing that's most important is that there is eternal salvation. He shares the Word of God with him. He believes in the Lord Jesus. He, his family, everyone is saved. He invites them over. Again, they have a meal because there is great joy. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Some of you have been praying for your family to come to faith. You you are desperately waiting for your entire family to worship as one group. You've got extended family members that you've been praying for for years. Man, wouldn't Thanksgiving or Christmas be great if everyone could worship together finally? That's great joy. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jail or with the order, released the men. Now, wait a minute. Where is everybody else? They're still in prison. Can you imagine Paul and Silas going, look, guys, I know we've been praying for you, praying over you, singing hymns. You've, you've heard about this uh, God most high all night long. We've been doing this. If you'll just hang. I know you're free. I know your prison door is open. I know you don't have any chains on you. But if you guys will just hang, we're going to trust God to deliver and they stayed. Every single prisoner in that jail stayed. And how was the man saved? Not only by faith in Jesus Christ, not only did he experience that joy and fellowship with other Christians, but the next day it sounds like he got to keep his life and his job. And that which he had despaired over He received. Broke my heart last week when in the midst of this Ashley Madison scandal, a pastor um, took his life because his name was on the list. His wife said in an interview, I would have forgiven him. I know it seems dark right now. I know it seems hopeless right now. Maybe not for you, but for your friend. I I know it seems like all of the decisions you've ever made are going to come out to light and people are going to hate you because of it or or not want to be around you because of it. But I'm telling you, God's grace is not about beating the snot out of you. It's about transforming you. It's about loving you and changing you. And I know sin so easily entangles. I know that in a moment or a fit of rage, you can say things and do things that you wish you could take back. But I'm telling you, God's grace is bigger. That He can set demons running and a woman free. 
that he can take somebody that worships God and actually get them to commit and live it out, that he can actually take a Roman guard, bring him to faith, even though he celebrates that night, his life could be taken the next day, he still has the joy of the Lord. And friends in Christ, if he can do this to them, I will guarantee you he wants to do it for you. May God's grace cover a multitude of your sins. Amen.